few cross-references because in this chapter 11, not only do you have much about faith, we also have highlighted for us what the people of faith endured, what the people of faith went through, and how God blessed them because of their faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's also written in the New Testament. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Through such a faith that grew in the people of God, they were able to do great exploits for God. We can opt to live in a small, self-centered, small-minded, natural life. Or we can choose to live the supernatural life, which involves power, involves resurrection, resurrection life, even while we're here on earth working in us. It also involves the shaping and conformity of our character to Jesus Christ, and that involves suffering. Life of faith is not an easy life, it's a glorious life, but it involves suffering. We read earlier that through the things he suffered, the Son of God learned obedience wasn't that he was not willing to obey the Father. He said, in the volume of the book is written of me. Here I am. Lo, I come. Do your will, O God. But God used different things to shape him, to be the perfect representative. And perfect meaning not that he was not perfect in his character, but perfect and complete as the representative of humanity to him. To be the example who suffered, as we read earlier in Hebrews, in all points as we suffer, and yet without sin. That's how he sanctified himself and he was perfected. In the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was always divine before he ever came into the world. And he continued to be divine while he was a human being walking in this world. And he is divine forever. He never stopped being divine. But with his character being perfect, he was still perfected through the things he suffered. It's a deep concept, and God says that very explicitly in the book of Hebrews. And so for any Christian who would like to take the easy way out, we just will not be conformed to his image. We will not be on the path to glory if we don't partake in the suffering. We will never attain the crown if we do not bear the cross. A person who is walking with God gets to share in the suffering of Jesus Christ. Gets to share in his death as we'll see from a few different references conjunction with Romans 11 dealing with this truth that we don't hear too often today especially in these last days no wonder the barrenness the superficiality 
the confusion of many believers, not just young believers, not just new believers, but many who are stuck in a rut. Because it seems they've heard about the gospel all their lives, but they're powerless against the fashions of this world. They're struggling with being loyal to God. And it doesn't even seem to bother them. Because they're in a sea of people who also struggle to be loyal to God. But you don't see that here in Hebrews 11. In this particular crowd and company and family to which the real people of God belong to, there's a triumph in facing adversity and overcoming adversity through faith. It was by faith that they subdued kingdoms. We read about how the people who had faith, the elders or the people who gone before us, they looked for a dwelling place with God and that was their passion. Anyone who claims to really love someone but like, would like to be as far away as possible from that person. Instead of finding a way to work it out because of love, such as in a marriage, not simply because of an external commitment or the convenience of financial benefits and whatever other benefits not shrewdness and a craftiness, yet self-centered, but genuine love that even if I don't get any benefit, quote-unquote, because I love the person, I want to be with them. If I claim to love God, then I should want to live with Him. And He should be the one that I really desire to be with more than anything else. Not only when I get to heaven after this life is through, but as I walk through this pilgrimage, and this is what these people had, this quality. And through the journeyings, they went through suffering. They went through trials. They went through testing. All of it was designed to make them perfect and make us perfect. As we read the Word of God, there's an impartation of the hearing capacity that produces faith. But then we have to walk in what we hear. And say, Lord, I see there's no way to be conformed to your image unless I go the path of the cross. The definition of the cross in the Bible, when the Lord Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, that cross is not the common suffering of all humanity. All the things that people go through that are painful. But the definition of the cross is particular and distinctive for the Christian because the individual is facing heat and trouble and specific trials because that individual is loyal to God. That's the cross. Not shirking away from it, though wanting to be delivered, but understanding that God is leading me through this path to make me perfect. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. Faith can see over the horizon of this physical human experience that is a supernatural life that is continuing to be developed, given from heaven Poured upon our lives to change us, to keep changing us. The flesh would like everything to be comfortable and convenient with no suffering. But the spirit understands that through the cross and what I need to suffer because I'm faithful to God, not because of sin and wandering away like the prodigal son, 
That's not the cross when someone suffers for sin or disobedience. That's not the cross. It's easy for many people to pick up the phone and tell other people what I'm suffering and I know the devil's a liar and he's after me and God's got this for me and this promise. You can't claim anything like that. It would be a lie if we're serving the devil and then blaming the devil for our problems. But when I'm serving Jesus, being loyal to him, seeking him with a passion, not living for food or fun or carnal, worldly fellowship and friendships and amusements, but I'm living for the holy manna, the bread of God, the word of God, and I'm rejoicing in his promises looking like these people did from a distance seeing what God has promised me. I'm not going to lose my crown. There are many churches all over they'll put the organ playing play the drums they'll have a certain dance and a certain hook to their worship and it's just a show just drama of which God is ashamed that they would even call themselves children of God they have nothing to do with living a holy life don't understand it don't want to understand it just give me my piece of the pie what are the benefits that I get from following Jesus I want it now I want to be an entrepreneur. I have a business that I'd like God to prosper. I like this and that. God sees all the motives. How poor, miserable a human being is who does not read the Word of God, does not listen to the counsel of God, has no clue or idea what the cross is and how they should deny themselves, take up their cross and follow God. Never understanding or seeing from a distance the eternal city, its foundations, that's where I'm headed I have to get ready for the trip because the trip is not going to be easy but I will be victorious over every mountain and every valley if I understand faith involves suffering hallelujah because I'm loyal to God all these people died still believing what God had promised them Hebrews 11.13 they weren't looking to be comfortable but they were looking to be conformable, conformed to the image of Christ, which comes through sharing in his suffering. For the name of Jesus, for the sake of Jesus. In Romans 8, it says, for your sake we're killed all the day long. What does that mean? When I stand for the righteous path of God, my relatives may hate me. But Jesus says, are you looking for your own comfort, your own glory, your own name? Are you looking to please one another? Or are you loyal to me? What do you do during meetings? What do you do during prayer time? Where is your mind? Are you a people pleaser or God pleaser? Do you have reverence for God? Or are you doing other things when it's time to pray when we have meetings? Some things are unavoidable. But God is calling us, not condemning us. Say, do you understand, as we mentioned yesterday, we read Psalm 61, 62, and 63. Do you understand that my presence is here when someone's praying, when someone's giving the word, especially when the shepherd God has placed, the shepherds are giving the counsel and word. There's a training involved to become more and more humble, yielding to the Spirit of God, so we can receive instead of talking or doing other things. We ought to be never a distraction to the presence of God for anyone or from the presence of God. We ought to think and say, Lord, am I one in prayer when someone's praying or am I distracted? Do I care whether I'm a distraction or not? Or do I say, oh well, 
That's how I am, who I am. You have to deal with it. That stinking attitude from the old life of pride must be put to death. I'm going to become new in Christ. I must yield myself, say, Lord, I'm here to please you and my neighbor for his edification. That means to build them up. What things can I do not to be a distraction, but to help others seek God more during the meeting times and during my interactions with the body of Christ? It's not a show. It's not to be politically correct. Everybody's doing it, so I'm going to do it. We need to be original, individual, and humble. And yet we need to remember we're part of the body of Christ. It's a holy temple. We ought to do everything we can to help each other. And think of what you do during meetings. Can you bear to suffer a little bit? For the sake of preserving the unity of seeking God? Are there things that you do during meeting times that could be avoided, could wait? They may serve actually, even if it's a good thing, as a distraction to the rest of the people. Even to your own family. There's a growth. There's an awareness. It's like the child in school that when the teacher is giving instruction or another child is giving his book report, another child is doing the math problem on the board there are certain children they'll be aloof and goof off and they'll do other things why they may even be doing their geography lesson when they're in math class and the teacher is teaching math and the children are actually learning the next step to advance in mathematics this child is studious yes but in the wrong way at the wrong time they're on a whole different subject. It's education, all right. But they're not one with the class and going the direction that the teacher wants at that time. Unless we learn to yield to one another and seek the good of the whole, we'll never be able to bear the cross, truly. We won't understand what it costs to develop into what Jesus wants us to develop into. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they sought all for a distance and welcomed it. Notice the time that they sought was not a time of convenience. They went through suffering. Faith helped them to see clearly. The demons don't want me to inherit and so they may step up the affliction. God has ordained it. But my character is being refined. I'm not giving up the ground. Hallelujah. I understand that all this is leading, just like Jesus went to the cross willingly. All this is leading for God's glorious grand purpose in my life and for the benefit of many people. That's the genuine life of faith. It's not a self-centered life. God-centered life. A life that is seeking to bless and edify other people. There's a maturity. There's a growth. There's a shutting down of the impulse to do something and to show off and to please people. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. We may feel very at home amongst our relatives, amongst family. Christmas time and birthdays and whatever celebration we have. We have a celebration of one who's very close to us in our immediate family. The privilege of praying for an individual just a little while ago. And everything is pointing to glorifying the Lord. Everything is pointed to a greater usefulness for God's glory. And a life full of strength and vigor to serve Him more. To be spiritually minded. 
to be people of faith and not shift gears and behave like the people of the world. In every festivity to have my heart set upon the goal and the prize that I'm given breath, I can glorify my Father. That even in the festivities, I don't lose control or engage in anything that would be displeasing to God. But God can trust me that with the blessings that He gives me, I know how He wants me to react to Him and react to people. Hallelujah. And if someone should say, you're no fun anymore, what happened to you? We're able to show them by our lives and tell them by our words. I serve a different master. The things that used to make me happy before, they just don't have the appeal anymore. I'm looking for a city. I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for my life, but I'm looking for a place that's eternal. My taste, my lifestyle, my goals have all changed. It's truly all about the Lord. I refuse to be with people who are superficial and sentimental with no spirituality. They have the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power of godliness by their very choices, the way they behave. I have nothing to do with it anymore. I refuse to be among people who are religious with no real relationship with the Christ who suffered on the cross before the resurrection came. They agreed that they were foreigners, nomads here on earth. We're foreigners in this world. If the world loves us, we're in deep trouble with God. But if the world hates us, because we're following Jesus, we're in good company with the people of faith. Obviously, people who say such things, that they are foreigners in this world, they have that feeling, I don't belong here. Not because I'm odd, I like to do things in an odd way to get attention or be individual, individualistic, that is. But because I'm simply humbling, following the Lord, I'm seeking to be holy and walking in His righteousness. The devil sees that and he hates it, just like he did with Daniel in the Bible. He raised up hostility against me and threatened me with death and exclude me and try to put an end to me. Why? He was bearing the cross. He refused to stop praying to the living God. Every witchcraft was afraid of Daniel. Every witch and every wizard. Are you among relatives who practice sorcery but they're very comfortable in your presence? Do you have extended relatives who you know practices evil sorceries? There seems to be a great camaraderie. Something's wrong. We don't look to be hostile, but the nature of the Holy Spirit is to be hostile against Satan. So by the choices we make and the mannerisms and not seeking to please family and friends and have a good image, be popular, seeking benefits here and there, Hating it all is disgusting. Choosing to be loyal to God. The darkness and light cannot mix. And the darkness is afraid of the light. Is that the case in your life? Whatever darkness is there in the world in which you live, in your family, amongst your extended relatives, the people can't stand you, not because you're weird in your personality and you're abrupt in your responses you're snappy or you're moody not not liking you because of that but because you are seeking holiness and you're seeking to please God 
Because you're living a life of faith, you really don't have any interest in this world anymore. That's how these people were. Everybody knew it. Abel's family knew where he stood. Enoch's family knew exactly where he stood. Noah's family knew where he stood. Abraham's family knew where he stood. Does your family know where you stand when it comes to the life of faith, the genuine life of faith, loving Jesus Christ, which means not just in word and some superficial worship, but in the heart of hearts and the choices, in the demeanor, demeanor, in the interactions, they will exclude you from their company. But are you dying for their company? When God is making a separation? Are you dying to be popular? These people could not be people of faith if they sought popularity among people of this world. Verse 16, But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Not a better place on this earth, but a heavenly homeland. May the Lord strengthen our understanding and our resolve to make it to the heavenly country. Do everything we can to get ready for that trip. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac. You think it hurt his heart? You think he suffered? That was the greatest suffering he ever went through. But he knew this is the path God has for me because God is up to something big. Good, great, and glorious. He had that faith. He knew it. We have that highlighted in verse 19. Before that, verse 18 says, even, through, even though God had told them, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Has God ever asked you to do something that seemed to be going opposite to what he promised? And if we reason in our human minds, we think, I don't want to do this, Lord. It's going to prevent me from getting the blessing or the speed at which I would like to get the blessing. But God says, Follow me. That's what I ask you to do. Not to go ahead of me, to challenge me, to reason with me, and to advise me. Follow me. God told Abraham, you go to that mountain. You go sacrifice your son. He tested him. Can God count on you to obey him and pass the tests that are required to demonstrate the faith, the only type of faith that will inherit eternity? To the obedient faith, obedient faith, obedient faith. Even though God had told them, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, Abraham reasoned. See, his reasoning was not human reasoning, it was supernatural reasoning. He had walked with God and he learned that everything God says for him to do is for his good, even if it doesn't make sense. Just do it. The world can say that through this Nike. Just do it. And millions and maybe billions follow. Do what? As I've seen them on the Metro North and commuting back home after a night shift at work when I used to work in the city. Especially on a morning like this, Saturday morning. The cars will be filled with bicyclists. I mean, they seem to have the latest gear and they have their helmets, they have their bike outfits and all bright and and fresh. Who? Caucasians. African Americans. Orientals. You name it. And as I hear the conversation and commotion around me, I hear some speaking about what happened at the office and how they had a great time hiking in this trail or bicycling there and they're going to push themselves into their accomplishments and they're drinking a lot of coffee. They're excited because it's the weekend. They live for the weekend. And it's a dead end. No life of God. 
a few amusements for a few passing years. What's the use to hang up those gloves, as they say? Fought hard, won some and lost some, but I was in the game. That's all that matters. What has become of all that that person accomplished they're so excited about? Emptiness without Jesus Christ. If only believers can be excited to seek God like that, to love God with a passion, seek a heavenly country. They're looking to make it to that mountaintop or the end of that trail or that path. They're competing. They're getting prepared. I did 5K today. and Next week I'm going to do 10K. Getting ready for what? The marathon or this cycling competition. Excited there. They're with a flock. They feed off of each other's energy and their latest bike and the technology and the gloves and their natural drinks and their energy bars and all these things. For what? Without Christ? It's sad. Emptiness. Much ado about nothing. But the people of God, they're excited and passionate because with faith they have a reason supernaturally. God is leading me to tell me how to spend my weekend, how to spend my weekday. What choices to make for my kids' schooling? Where to move? God is leading me into what I should do with the hands that he's given me, with the talents. Oh, there's a fear of God. There's a willingness to suffer in the path of God. Have you ever thought about that component of faith? Suffering? We talked about how faith in a person makes them dependable. Faith makes them understand the world in which they live. How it came into existence, the universe. The promises of God. The lifestyle that we must adopt. Romans 8 as well as Hebrews 11 we see it involves suffering. But always remember, beloved, the suffering is directly connected to living a holy life. Not apart from it. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Why? Because he knew if God promised that through this child, not Ishmael, not his heir among his servants, no one else, but through this child, Isaac shall you see be blessed. God cannot lie. He had supreme confidence in the character of God. And so he was able to do what God told him to do, even though the devil would have whispered, this doesn't make any sense. What? Don't do it. Don't do it. I know the Lord said this. I know the pastor said this, but it doesn't make any sense. Don't. I'm not doing that. And they spread that disease of disobedience amongst themselves. Do you ever hear people in the classroom? We can think back perhaps to our childhood days. When the teacher says something, it takes one child, one rotten apple to say, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. Officer another said, neither am I. Yeah, what? Pretty soon you have a crowd of people in the same rebellion undoing their own progress. You have to watch out for the whisper of Satan. You sound very clever. You say it's family time. That prayer meeting can wait. As I prayed yesterday and as I spoke recently. We ought to pray for our brothers and sisters who deliberately miss the presence of God because of choices they've made. They've been convinced. It doesn't bother us, really. But they hurt themselves, and we care. Some cases is unavoidable. But there are many times when we simply choose what to do and when to do it. We distract ourselves and other people from seeking God. That's a dangerous thing for our own souls and for others. 
Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God is able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to sons Jacob and Esau. That shows that even though Isaac lost his physical vision, his spiritual vision was still intact to be able to bless his posterity, bless his children. With a divine blessing. It wasn't a wish from some grandpa or elderly father. The Spirit of God was speaking through Isaac. Hallelujah. That means the Spirit of God can speak through you and pray through you and bless people through you if you're also a person who's very uncomfortable living here and longing to be with God. Not as an escape. Some people say, well, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. It's akin to saying what the world says. It's time to kick the bucket. I'm going to kick the bucket. No, it's not a fatalistic, flawed approach to life and death. full of cliches and amusements. It's understanding every moment God has given me. I want it to invest, to be an investment in eternity, my eternity, my future. I want to do the right thing, make the right choices. Lord, let me never be a distraction to the family of God, to my own family, let me never, ever do something to break the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life because I can do it. And as much as we said yesterday that we have the ability, the power to attract God or to repel Him, we need to know what exactly we're doing in our choices. Are we growing in faith? Are we seeking the path of the cross? Are we seeking to shut down everything so that I can grow in Christ and others can grow? Or am I a stumbling block to other people in getting closer to God? Have I been persuaded by the devil to be distracted and become a distraction? Faith sees the sinister plans of Satan with a simple little thought and little action which can cause great damage to someone's soul, beginning with our own. I mentioned the other day, people will be on the bus, hearing the teaching, the preaching, the prophecy, the worship. And if you see them in church, they may be falling asleep. Not an occasional slumber, an attack on the body from the devil, and they're fighting it. Everybody's a mortal, or human beings. It can happen. But to have it happen because I'm not interested or I'm willingly giving over to slumber, distraction, thinking something else altogether instead of receiving from God actively. There will be people who tag along on the bus. And eventually they'll have to get off the bus. They may even end up under the bus, quite literally. Because the path of life, the path of the godly, the ungodly cannot stand in it. May the Lord give us understanding to have the fear of God. The genuine faith that produces the fear of God. There are those who receive every single morsel of bread from heaven. There's a steady growth, a beautiful growth. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Because they really love God and fear God. Every word is so precious to them. They've understood this world truly, even by a human 
reasoning. If a person observes humanity's existence and with all the getting how everything ends up nothing, everybody dies. And even their memories erased. Their trophies are thrown in the garbage after a while. It seems that there's always a revolving door. Someone else steps in and no matter what we've achieved, it seems to disappear in, in oblivion. What's the use? But a person of faith knows more than even a common member of humanity. There's a lot of futility in life. And all I could do is just to drug myself up with the movies, with music that makes me mad. Mad in the sense of being not balanced, being foolish, the amusements. Everything is useless. But through God I have some hope. Not just some hope, I have all the hope. Some meaning I have a different existence I know that everything in my life every cross that's come because I'm getting closer to God is going to make me stronger in faith I understand that suffering is part of it persecution is part of it sometimes violence is part of it as we read in the book of Hebrews but make sure that what you're suffering is because you're seeking God, not because you're being chastened by God for rebellion. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of, his, each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. He was also a man who changed direction drastically. We ought to look at this and say, Lord, what was the quality of these people's lives? I want to be like that. If you've highlighted them, Father, for all eternity in your eternal word, and the scripture cannot be broken, as Jesus said, how do I get into this hall of faith? Not for self-promotion, some satanic pride, and I want to be seen and heard. No, I want to be in the right mold. I want to act like a member of the right family, the family of genuine faith. Hallelujah. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. Now they settled down there. And it seemed they're stuck there. But he saw by faith. Because he was walking with God, God gave him revelation. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. You can just mute yourself. Let's see if I can mute the Praise God. Probably didn't realize it. By faith, they kept looking forward. They kept looking forward. They kept looking forward. If this world is not my home, truly I'm just passing through. I'm going to spend a long time in eternity. And I'm going to get ready for that trip. Not only did Joseph say that Israel is going to leave Egypt one day. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. He knew I'm meant to be in the promised land. Even though he was a prince of sorts, second to Pharaoh in that advanced society of Egypt from 1800 BC. He was well off. His family was well off. They had the best because he was next to the president, as it were, the pharaoh of the land. But he was not content. 
Not because he was a spoiled person, because he was a complainer, because he knew, this is not my home. I may have arisen to the top by God's grace, but I'm here for a season to bring God's presence into this land. But I'm headed somewhere else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to be settled. I want to keep remembering everything is vanity. I will enjoy what God gives in this temporal world and do what He wants me to do. I will enjoy every blessing God gives me to the full. But I know that whatever is in this life is only for this life. It's not going to carry over. But there's a spiritual blessing that I'm seeking. That's what I'm after more than anything else. Hallelujah. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, the New Living Translation says. A beautiful child, other translations. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's commandment. By faith, they took steps to ensure not just the safety of the child, but the purposes God had, they were given a revelation. I have to confess that in all the years that I've gone to church, in a number of churches, there's no active faith mentioned to look at these examples and say that there are certain ingredients to the life of genuine faith, an exciting life, life of revelation, depending upon the Almighty God, seeing the invisible God. This man who is to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter refused that title. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people. You see the suffering? Not seeking his own comfort. He knew, I'm not going to have that nice shower over there. I'm not going to have all the amenities and all the servants. And Who would want to leave this? I have everything. I have everything. Every pleasure. Every desire. He said, like the Apostle Paul, I count it trash. All the fancy chariots, the fancy amusements. Moses said, it's trash compared to the treasure God has for me. Hallelujah. He chose to share the oppression of God's people, suffering with the people of God, instead of enjoying the fleeting, the flying away of the pleasures of sin, the temporal, the pleasures that fly away, that is, it's very temporary, empty. Somebody goes to Las Vegas, they're living for Las Vegas, spent a lifetime. I remember we had a couple frequent at church years ago. They were saving to go to Las Vegas, all excited, deep debt. And the man would say, I'd like to die. I have so many bills and so many problems. Privately, it confessed to me. But with the family, and the breadwinners saving up money, we're all going to go to Las Vegas. And we warned them not to go. And they fell even deeper spiritually. Completely went off track. Whatever God was doing, they made a foolish choice and went against the counsel of God. Not only financially get into greater debt, but spiritually. the danger of, of making wrong choices against the counsel of God being headstrong would cause one to fall headlong into the pit but we can refuse that and say no, no I'm not going to make any foolish decisions I'm going to listen to the voice of God because I choose the path of the cross over the path of convenience for some foolish pleasures he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ he wasn't trying to be a, a, some oddball to get all the news media and attention. 
He had a purpose. See, the suffering was connected to Christ. That's what we must ask ourselves. When I'm loyal to the Lord, and I'm suffering, I can be confident God will turn this out for His glory and for my good. But am I suffering because I'm seeking God, or am I partaking in sin and blaming God and wondering and telling other Christians that, you know, I'm going through this and the devil's a liar and he's doing this and that to me, but are you serving him? You have no right to speak against your master. But if the master is Jesus Christ truly, we can know the affliction is coming from the enemy. And that God is going to turn it out for my good because I believe him. A lot of people talk about faith. Many, many books, many seminars, many teachings in churches. I love faith. You know why? Because I get to be an entrepreneur. I get to be, I get to be empowered. And through faith, I'll conquer mountains and I can do this and that and, and really rile up the emotions and, as I said, play the organ and dance a jig with the feet and look at the neighbor and all kinds of stuff, but utterly empty. God is ashamed that they would even call God their God. No mention of the cross, what it means to live for God and to be counted worthy in God's sight because we refuse this other definition of faith in a faith walk. Someone said the faith walk is no cakewalk. It's not all pleasant. People love to go to churches. That's why there are churches, although in revival, God will explode the numbers. There are many churches when God's revival is not there, they're exploding. Thousands upon thousands. And the people go very, very prepared, just like and not unlike the people I've seen on the Metro-North commuting Saturday morning. Young and old. Business people and professionals and doctors. Yes. Eager and avid enthusiasts of the weekend. Early in the morning I can see them. Early in the morning. Religiously. They know how to get up. They know how to prepare to worship. What? Bikes. The trail. My fellow workers who are out here on this trip, fit, feel the fresh mountain air. Emptiness without Christ. Headed nowhere. That's how many Christians and so-called Christians, concept of faith is. Exciting life to get what I want to get when I want to get it the way I want to get it. I can go to God as if he's some candy man and I can exercise my faith and I'm going to get it. No wonder people flock to those churches. Because it's all about the up and up. Look, my quality of living is changing and I keep hearing about riches. I really love the dollar bill. And I like the way how everything is connected in the Bible, of how to help me make a fast buck. I like that teaching. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about. Sad. Now there's another group of people have no faith whatsoever, even for the material things. And it's all about a defeated lifestyle and another religious folk. Loyal to the church, loyal to the society there and Dead, absolutely dead. Both are dead. But the genuine faith is one that's seeking another country, refusing the pleasures of sin for a season. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead. Faith looks ahead to God's reward. Moses looked ahead to his great reward. He knew, I'm on the path to glory. I'm not giving up. Just like that champion athlete 
No matter how many times the old friends calls that young man, young woman up who's headed for the Olympics. Just once, can you just come once and get drunk with us? Just once, can we go to the town? You're so uh, stifled up in, in your activities and we feel sorry for you. They begin to cheer and jeer, try to lure that individual. The person who is convinced of his or her gold that I've been living my life for this gold is able to say, no, I, I can't come. You can mock me, as Pascal has said, when the prize is won, the gold medal, and all the world is looking due to the sacrifices that person made because of that perishable crown, after all. And yet, at that time, those lazy, wasteful, foolish friends will envy that gold medal. We ought to know that we can aspire for treasure that is eternal, where moths, thieves, rust cannot touch it. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. He separated himself. He knew Egypt, Egypt is not where God is. I'm not going to live in self-delusion and kid myself that I'm living large. When it's actually a large pit underneath the feet. One day it will suddenly open. And all people who don't belong to Christ, who don't wish to walk the walk of genuine faith and wish to suffer for living righteously, blessed are you when you are persecuted, not promoted by the devil and the worldly people because you're conforming to what they want you to do and what they think is fun. You're no longer any fun, you see. You're a party pooper and you're really getting too religious for us. But God says you're in good company. Because if they hated me, they'll hate you. Who hated Jesus? If I were to ask someone who hated Jesus, immediately many people would say the Pharisees. Do you know who else hated him? His own brothers, his family hated him. They kicked him out of the house, quite literally. They said, get out of here. Go show yourself to the world. You, you think you're something else? Go to the world and show your great signs and wonders. Satan filled his own brothers and sisters. They kicked him out. When your family wants to engage in activities that are not in keeping with God's holy standards, and you go grinning because they know you're a Christian, but you're also a great, fun pal. You're a compromiser at that point. We have to establish that separation, the standard. That's faith. Because of looking forward to the great reward, I know I can't be contaminated with that which is against the life of holy faith. That's why the Lord said, Beware when, when, when men speak well of you. For so they spoke of the false prophets. How does one become a false prophet? Is it simply by predicting false things? Not only that, it's by living a false life, a compromising life. Perhaps God is asking someone this morning, when are you going to really separate yourself? from the foolishness of your family so that you can have membership in my family forever. Some people say, you know, it sounds harsh. 
some people have said, I don't like the sound of his voice. As I said last evening, any voice that speaks truth is pleasing to God. And may we be pleasing to God by living the truth and speaking the truth. Couldn't care less of what the devil thinks. He's not going to like it. But if we want to grow, we want to get out of the mold, we want to be people of genuine faith, we see the definition of faith being developed as the Lord is giving to us that genuine faith by the Holy Spirit involves suffering for God and persecution is part of it. Beware when things are peaceful between you and the devil's people, especially in your own family. It's not that they have risen to the standard of faith when they're living in Egypt, but you have come down to Egypt. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Oh, I don't know what my cousin's going to tell about me. My uncle's not going to like me, and they're very hostile to me, and I just want to be kind of, you know, to myself with my faith and enjoy the day. I don't want to bring my faith into everything. It kind of spoils everything. Yeah, that's the devil. We have a choice to listen to that master if we give him that ownership of us. Or say, I despise what people say about me and think about me because I'm standing for righteousness. I love them but I don't love a lie. And yes, they will know that I'm a city set on a hill. It cannot be hid. They will know what a holy life looks like, what a faithful life looks like to God. It was by faith he left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. We have had to counsel many people to strengthen them when they felt miserable because Someone they really looked up to in their family or was very close to, all of a sudden was angry at them and turned on them. And we had to counsel them and tell them, welcome to faith 101, so to speak. When you walk with God, the devil's not going to be happy. He'll stir up people against you. But don't lose heart. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. I've overcome the world. If they hated me, they'll hate you. So don't marvel. Don't think it's strange. That's the way it is. But they'll also see when I exalt you for all the universe to see that you're my precious child. I'm not ashamed to be called your God. Hallelujah. Who can put a price tag on that? But it takes faith to see that's what's coming. For the child of God is faithful. We're going to have the meeting, the mom's meeting, shortly. So we'll stop right here. Except to finish this verse, 27, Hebrews 11, 27. He kept right on going. There's no hindrance, just like Abraham from Haran. Because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. The one who is real. Invisible to the human eye. But very visible to the eyes of faith. May the Lord help us to receive and process everything that the Spirit of God has given this morning and make changes where necessary so as to please God have a pleasing testimony draw near to Him and be conformed to the image of the Son through the things we suffer for the holy faith that we have Shall we pray? Oh Lord, Father, purchase. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us in your holy way. Lord, help us, Lord, to do whatever is necessary to build our souls up, not to tear it down. To do whatever is necessary to build the souls of those with us in the righteous path to seeking you. We thank you, Lord, for guiding us. We thank you, Lord, for helping us. I thank you for purging the church 
I thank you, Lord, for helping us to have your righteous joy in everything that you do. Because you're perfect, Lord. And you're the most loving person. It's your love that brought us out of a faithless life, going nowhere and full of disease and destruction. You gave us, Lord, your forgiveness of sins and healing by stripes. All glory be to you, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God.